Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk about the Joel McHale Show with Joel McHale's ever-changing in-credits song with musician Eli Braden. Nobody ever watches the end credits on Netflix, and that means no one's gonna hear this song. In fact, you probably only moved on to another show or movie that you're watching tonight. You're too busy to watch credits, I mean, who's got the time? Why did we even bother making this song? I don't know why, I don't know why. And now here are some title cards you also won't watch. Back in February, Joel McHale made a triumphant return to making fun of TV clips with a show that's definitely not the Soup Reloaded, but absolutely definitely is the Soup Reloaded. The Joel McHale Show with Joel McHale is on Netflix, and it's hilarious and kind of the way I kick off every week. Part of what makes the show so wonderful is the music which plays over the closing credits. Written and performed by comedian and musician Eli Braden, the show pokes fun at the fact that most people skip the closing credits to Netflix shows. It's become a surprising hit and has even begun changing. We talked with Braden about the song, his career in comedy and music, and more. Thank you for taking time to talk to me. I do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know that you did some music for The Soup, like, in its waning days. Is that how you came to be uh, doing the music for the end credits of the Joel McHale show with Joel McHale? It is, in fact, I mean, in fact, I was doing it for, I did some in the waning days and in the non-waning days as well. I had been doing stuff for the show, just like on a freelance basis since like maybe 2011 or maybe even a little before that, but um, just like whenever they would need an original song, like an original comedic song, um, usually they would have an idea, or sometimes they would even have lyrics, and they would just kind of come to me um, to flesh it out. I, I have a big background in music, and then I kind of moved into comedy at a certain point because... You know, music really doesn't pay much, and uh, comedy really doesn't pay much either, but, you know, at least you have an opportunity to actually get a job rather than just sort of flailing around. Um, but, yeah, they, they, uh, I had kind of a foot in both worlds, so they, they brought me in to do a few comedic songs. I remember we did, like, a, a parody of We Are the World with all reality stars, and that probably sounds a little uh, trite and played out now, but, like, that was pretty cutting edge, like, six, seven years ago, you know? Um and we did a, a Taylor Swift parody at one point when she was really relevant. And uh, not that she's not now. She's still selling out stadiums. But uh, that, last, that last CD, that last album was a bit of a stiff, let's be honest. Um, but, yeah, when they started the Joel Show, I originally approached them to try to be a writer to submit because that's kind of what I pursue now is more comedic writing. And uh, they said, no, um, you can't even submit. But uh, no, they, they'd already, they were already staffed up. They weren't being a-holes. But... Um, about a week later, they were like, we'd love for you to do an end credits song and kind of be very meta about it and, like, write something about how nobody will ever hear the song because people skip the Netflix end credits. And uh, so I came up with that and gave it to them. They really loved it. And then almost immediately they were like, why don't you start doing a new one, like, every couple weeks and we'll sort of make a storyline with it and it'll kind, of, it'll kind of evolve over time. And, you know, hopefully if the show gets picked up, we, they're doing an initial run of 13 episodes, if the show gets picked up and we keep doing it, you know, you can kind of just just keep getting stranger every week, you know. So that's what we're doing now, and I'm just hoping it gets picked up. So, like, where did you like start musically? Like, what was what were what was sort of like uh, how you got started in music as you know, like a kid? Well, my background's mainly in rock, 
I I uh, I I was basically like doing the pursuing a uh, pursuing being a rock star for years, like starting in like the you know mid nineties. Um, you know, out of high school, I moved to San Francisco. Was in bands. Yeah, I mean, had some like had a, I would say nothing that anyone would ever have heard of, but like got a couple of different record deals. You know, would do tours with big bands of, of that era, and but it just never really like took off. You know, and uh, at a certain point, I was just like, I better. I better like try to find a way to make money doing this because this is a little too hit and miss and I'm getting too old to be a rock star. So about 10 years ago, I moved to LA with the intention of, you know, trying to do stuff like very similar to this, but more on a more formal basis, like doing music for commercials, doing music for uh, movies, TV shows, whatever, that kind of thing. Cause there is a lot of money in that if you, if you get in, but almost as soon as I got here, I, I just, I don't even, I can't even remember exactly how it happened, but it was partially that I went on Twitter and kind of got some early success on the early days of Twitter for jokes. And I think it's like a light, a light switch went off and I was like, you know, I could maybe actually make it as a, as a comedian or a comedy writer, which was very naive and stupid on my part. But uh, <laughs> over the course of 10 years, I've kind of managed to eke it out. And I kind of, as a comedian, I didn't ever want to do stand-up. I would always been, I'd always been a huge fan of like Tenacious D in particular. And I kind of developed an act that wrote a bunch of kind of raunchy original songs that I could perform live solo with an acoustic guitar. And I kind of would do like a, a, a live act in L.A. Um, that was kind of in that vein of Tenacious D. Lots of really filthy songs, but kind of with these pretty, pretty music and pretty melodies. And, you know, I, that was fun, and I got kind of a following around here for that. And between that and Twitter, I just kind of got known enough around L.A. to where I started getting some opportunities. And that's kind of how I think I got him with the Soup guys originally. And as you probably know, the, yeah, the, the Soup team is, for the most part, the same guys who do Joel's show. Right. Now, I, 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 I like the fact that there's like a tenacious D influence. I like the fact that we've moved on along to where like there are sort of new, like more recent comedy musicians that are becoming influences for people. Did you grow up listening to like comedy rock album, you know, like your Cheech and Chong's, your, your Weird Al's stuff like that? I did. I mean, I like Cheech and Chong and Weird Al. I mean, Weird Al is a very specific thing and it's also very, you know, uh, family friendly. Um, and, you know, Cheech and Chong are great, but I mean, I, and they, there's a huge musical element to what they do, but, you know, they're primarily just just more comedy. It's more like they're actors more than musicians primarily, as good as they are as, as songwriters. But um, I, I always loved, com- I was just always a huge comedy fan. I mean, Spinal Tap was uh, just like my favorite movie. I mean, it still is one of my favorite movies because as a musician, it's like it, it has both. You know, it has great songs. It's about a rock band, but it also spoofs it so well. And um, I and um, I was also a huge fan of like Steve Martin. I mean, I, stand-up comedy is great, but like even though it was a little before my time, that that late period Steve Martin, that to me is nobody's ever touched that as far as comedy performance. I just love that that approach to it. Um, and so I, I just had a big love of comedy. And when Tenacious D came along, I was actually recording an album, and I guess it was the year two thousand with um, this guy named Bryce Goggin was our producer, and he had just produced an album for the band Fish. And it was a bit of a, uh, <laughs> I guess he took whatever job he could get, because he got this Fish gig and now he's producing my band. But um, he had mentioned Tenacious D, and he was talking about how the guys in Fish had just been obsessed with this 
fake band that did this short-form show on HBO, because that was all that Tenacious D was, really, at that point. They'd done, like, four 10-minute episodes, kind of in conjunction with the Mr. Show guys who produced it, because that was the time Mr. Show was on HBO. And he ended up having uh, one of the dudes from Fish just mail us a VHS, because that was what it was in those days, <laughs> uh, this VHS tape, and we put this thing in, and I had never laughed so hard at anything in my life. And it was just, that was kind of where I, <laughs> I think that was the day when the switch went off. I'm like, you know what, serious music... I don't know, like this comedy music thing. There's something to this. It's uh, my big. I think what really held me back always in music is that I'm. I never. I mean, I'm a really good musician. I'm a really good singer. I'm not bragging. I just. I am talented. But I really never had that much to say. Like in terms of in a like, I need to share my poetry with the world, man. You know, I'm just. I don't have that drive to uh, to put myself out there for the world. You know, I don't. I don't have that 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 emptiness that need to be loved that maybe I think is required to be a true rock star. So just making people laugh and making an ass of myself just appealed to my appealed to me much more, and that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. It seems like it's like doing like comedy and music together together is just like I can't imagine the 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 sort of not stress but the difficulty that has like to to not only like you have to be funny, but you also have to write a song that's catchy and has or has a hook or something like that. Like someone like yourself or Stephen Lynch or any uh, of that ilk, it just seems like that's that's like two two worlds colliding in terms of work. Yeah, I think for me, it's always about, and this is. It's always about the initial idea. I, I've found for me, once I have an initial idea for a song, I'm like, that will be a really funny song. The songs usually write themselves so fast. And sometimes it, you sort of spend a long time slaving over the lyrics to make them perfect. But like with this Joel song, like once they, for whatever reason, this is an experience I've had a lot doing comedy music, once they gave me the idea, like for what it was, I, I wrote it, I wrote a very close version to what it ended up being within like five or ten minutes. I mean, I ended up, you know, tweaking the lyrics a lot to make them work, but uh, it was it just came so easy because the, the, the idea was the inspiration. And as a lot of people have pointed out, the first couple measures of that song are actually very similar to Everlong by Foo Fighters, so maybe I'm not such a genius, but maybe I just, I sort of subconsciously ripped off that da 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 But um, no, it came really quickly, and it's to me, it's all in comedy music. It's always about that first idea. What would be the great idea for a song? Like I have an I have an, an original comedy song called Spank Bank, and it's I was just an idea. What if you just write a song about your spank bank and about what it is and you know what what you do with it? And it's just this really elaborate dig, digging deep into the concept of your spank bank. You know, um, I have a song about single moms, and it's basically about how single moms are easy to have sex with because they're always home with their kids, they're desperate to get out, and, you know, you can just basically just show up with a, a bag of takeout and have sex with them, and it's really, it just, but it just digs deep into that, and uh, I have another song about going down on a woman, we can, I can talk like this, right? Yeah, this yeah, is a yeah, podcast, a podcast, I assume? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I was on about going down on a woman during her period, but it's this super tender, melodic, beautiful country ballad, and it's just disgusting. And but it's when I play it live, it's just people just it's insane the reaction against both revulsion and laughter. But like it's really just about that initial idea for me. Um, and the song just kind of eventually it just writes itself 
because again, you're pro- I'm probably just recycling other people's songs, Beatles songs, Foo Fighters songs, whatever, without even realizing it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it, but the, the thing is the slaving over the lyrics because you know I find some comedy music, any comedy song where the chorus is repeated, is lazy. You should be you should be treating every you should be treating a comedy song the way you would treat any piece of comedy writing. It's just got to keep upping the ante. You know, it's got to you've got to pack as many jokes as you can in there. And um, you know, there's some people that really do that. Like I feel like Flight of the Concords were really good at that. Yeah. You know, and Tim and Eric are really great at that too. And you know, part of the secret to their success is keeping everything so short. There's no time to even think about it. You know, the way the Eric, the Eric Andre show, it's not music, but the way that show is edited, it is just nonstop. I'm almost, I can't even watch more than two episodes of the Eric Andre in a row because I'm exhausted from, from laughing, you know? Um, it's just insane. But uh, yeah, I try to approach the music, comedy music that way just to keep people, keep it, keep it funny because um, so many people don't. Stephen Lynch is a great example too. He's, he might repeat choruses sometimes, but he's always upping it, always making it funnier, you know? Do you find like the the lyrical content influences like what the 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 music is going to sound like? Yeah, I mean my go to my go to mode is 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 the, that sort of tenacious D rock. The, the Joel McHale song, I think you can hear. There's like a there's a bit of a tenacious D thing in there. You know, um, to me, it's just really funny to be singing mundane things over mundane lyrics with anthemic rock because you know it's just there's something so stupid about that and and just dumb but uh the the rock's always my go-to but you know i have i have rap songs the the whole white guy rapping even as a joke thing is a little played out so i don't do that as much but uh you know i've got some like electronica type songs i try country i try to mix it up at least for the stuff i'm recording but yeah rock's my default that's that's what i've been doing most of my life and it just is easy it's the it's the it's the go-to. Wake up, you piss in your pants! And now, ladies and gentlemen, what you've all been waiting for? Shitface and the greatest ventriloquist in all of England, the psychotic side. So you have like a writing credit on a song that's in a Chucky movie? Oh yes! Wow, uh, going deep. But I guess that's really just going on the IMDb page. Yeah, one of my bands that I, uh, one of my bands that I had in the past, we got a song, and actually that was kind of what inspired me to go to LA. We got a song in, in I think it's Bride of Chucky, and we got a huge paycheck for that. And I was just like, wait, we didn't even do anything. They just put the song playing in the background of the movie for like. I think it's 15 to 20 seconds. And then we got another one on some TV show that lasted one season. I don't know if that made it to the IMDb page. And again, a big paycheck. And I was like, wow, this is where, if there's, if there's any money in music, this is where it is in 2008. And so that's why I moved down here. But, um, you know, then I got kind of <laughs> distracted by thinking I could be funny. But, uh, yeah, that's, there's a lot of money in that. And I'm proud to be in the Chucky franchise, even if I'm only in the background for a few seconds. <laughs> so, uh... In addition to the the, the Joel McHale show, uh, what what do you have going on uh, that folks can find you working on? Well, at the moment, I'm uh, I mean I have two things that I'm working on, but they're both neither one of them are um, 
happening yet as far as officially. Um, and most people who have real careers usually just say, well, I'm working on some things, but I'm happy to get into detail because I basically want to brag. Um, I'm writing a uh, animated pilot with Matt Lucas, who was on Little Britain. I don't know if you know that oh, yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very, he's the, uh, the bald dude in Little Britain. He and I have become friends. He lives in L.A. now. Um, and we're working on a animated pilot, and I am also wrote an animated pilot with my friends Cynthia True, who um, she's not really well-known. She, she co-created a show called The Mighty Bee with uh, Amy Sedaris. No, not Amy Sedaris, Amy Poehler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always get those Amy's mixed up. With Amy Poehler, it was a kid's show, and um, she has a big background in animation, and her and I and a woman named Gray Delisle, who's a very... Uh, she's an aunt, she's a voice actress, this amazing voice actress. She has, I believe, she has the longest uh, IMDb page of any female voice actress. I believe I might be wrong. That's what I've been told. Um, the three of us uh, wrote a pilot that we're shopping right now. Um, that is about a. I'll just tell you this much: it's about an abortion clinic, <laughs> and um, it's like a workplace comedy in an abortion clinic, and. Um, we were originally just going to produce it on our own and hope that, like, people were so, uh, because that's the kind of thing you're not going to sell easily. So we're like, we'll produce, like, a 10-minute episode on our own and show people that it could work and it could be funny and it wouldn't be too shocking because there's just sort of a revulsion to that topic. And because we're really not trying to be shocking. The, kind of the premise of it is, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, there's a lot of characterizing abortion as this, this awful thing. And it is an awful thing. I mean, I'm not, we're not trying to mince words, but the, you know, the, the right wing really tries to tar and feather it with, when in fact it's actually a medical procedure for women, right? I mean, it is, a, it is a women's medical procedure and it should be treated as such. And you know, it's, it's just part of equal rights for women. I'm not speaking about this eloquently. I'm a dumb straight dude, <laughs> but, uh, our, kind of the premise of the show is we're treating it as a workplace comedy and showing the people who work there as this is just their job. But on the out, but on the outside, there's all these, these all these elements from the from the exterior, from the external world. You know, the protesters, the politicians, that are kind of infringing on the on on their livelihoods. You know, they have to have bulletproof glass. You know, out on their windows. But inside, it's just a sort of homey workplace environment. And uh, that's I, I don't want to get too deep in the woods in it because I won't do it justice. But it's actually really funny, and we've actually ended up getting more interest in it than we expected. And um, we paired with a female producer who has a great track record, and her basic attitude is, I'm going to go into these male executives, and I'm going to tell them, look, this is the moment of the woman. You better get on board with this. This is where the conversation is. And so hopefully things will work out. <laughs> well, I look forward to both of those, man. Hey, thank you so much thank for you. taking time to talk to me. This has been really fun. <laughs> it's, I will take any opportunity to blab. Even if it's just you listening or however many people in your audience, I'm just glad they didn't fast forward over it. Thank you so much. Looks like a monkey when he's walking. His giant lips never stop talking. Everyone calls him Baba Booey, but his name is Gary. He likes teen anal, that's so creepy. When he's at work, he gets so sleepy. Because he eats so many cookies. With his big chompers, Gary's eating all the time. He likes shrimp and eggs and chocolate. His mouth smells just like a butt. 
John Oates got a beaver pregnant Their baby would bear a great resemblance To half-man, half-beast, Baba Booey But we love you, Gary Yes, Gary Your lips and teeth are huge But we love you, Gary Yes, Gary Your lips and teeth are huge And they're stinky, too Thanks to Eli Braden for speaking with me. You can find links to purchase Eli's music in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at fromaninspiredpod, and you can subscribe to us via Apple Podcast and Stitcher as well. Eli Braden is on Twitter at Eli Braden, that's E-L-I-B-R-A-D-E-N, and his website is elibraden.com. Please hit up the website and click on the Give Us Money button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees. And remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. We'll be back in two weeks talking with Haunted Garage's Dookie Flyswatter about Nightmare Sisters and Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolorama. Until then, thanks for listening. You probably noticed that these are brand new lyrics to the Joe McHale credits song. I changed them because I found out I was wrong when I said no Sits through credits of Netflix shows It turns out some people watch the credits I was out of know But it's mostly friends and relatives The people who work on the show I guess friend shows the show So I hope you got a thrill Seeing your friend or loved one's name In small print For like half a second